The Dane and Derek Show is an uncensored, unfiltered podcast. Content warnings can be found in the episode description. Hello and welcome to The Dane and Derek Show, a podcast where two nerdy friends attempt to keep in touch and shoot the shit. I'm Derek Aiello, a writer, director, and occasional D&D player. And with me, as always, is my buddy, Dane Fogdell. Hey, I'm Dane, a writer, musician, podcaster, and lover of tabletop RPGs. And this week on the pod, our uh, our fun little icebreaker is, uh, what is your favorite page in the Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition Player's Guide? Okay, so you should go first on this one, because I'm pretty sure my answer is sort of a cop-out. Um <laughs> I have okay. two, but like you, you should go first. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my page is. Hang on, real quick. I need to scroll through because I had it bookmarked, and then I was like, maybe it was a different page. See, I um, want to hear it because I have my physical <laughs> one with me today. Ah, uh, yeah. So, like, are you prepared for some foley? Oh, here we go. Here we go. Okay. <laughs> so mine. Yeah, I do. That's fantastic. <laughs> so my favorite page is page 160 in the player's handbook. Okay, 160, 160, 155, 157. Oh, I think I know what it is. Yeah, yep. It's the, the trinkets. trinkets. Yep, the trinkets table. Why? Because you can have so much fun seeing what weird junk your character has and funny enough it can end up really really making a character cool for instance like an empty wine bottle bearing a pretty label that says the wizard of wines winery red dragon crush 331422-w like what is that that's fantastic Mm -hmm. especially if you don't have something in mind it's helpful for making something on the fly but it's it's great inspiration this is a really good choice no lies a whole, a whole big backstory and a lot of adventures could come out of something like this. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Alrighty, what's yours? All right, ready for your, my cop-out? You may not have this page because you're looking at a digital copy. But mm-hmm. in the physical copy, it is technically page 317. Oh, dude, that's, that, was my, that was my second choice. It's the character sheet. Yeah. Oh, um, it's a little bit of a cop out answer because like it's not actually sort of a page really, um, but a blank character sheet is one of the most exciting things in the world for me since I was eight years old. So the 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 possibilities on the page are just too exciting. Like I don't think there is a better page. The only uh, the, my other answer, in case you were like, "Oh, dude, that sucks," um, was da, da, da. it was like page page five um, with the introduction, uh, mm. just talking about what the game is, down to like worlds of adventure, uh, which just talks about settings. It's mm-hmm. it's kind of a really pretty, well written way of uh, distilling down what this is you know like there's uh one of the paragraphs starts with the phrase the game has no real end when one story or quest wraps up another one can begin creating an ongoing story called a campaign many people who play the game keep their campaigns going for months or years meeting with their friends every week or so to pick up the story where it left off and that is the thing that's the thing that's awesome i love it so much so those are that's that's what i got for you 
That's fantastic. Yeah, no, I I think both of those aren't really cop outs. I mean, let's be real. When you when you get that oh, that brand new player's guide, and you you the first thing you do is you flip to the back to see what the character sheet looks like. Exactly. Oh my god. Yeah. So I for for my show, I I look through tons and tons of games to find like the right thing to tell the story we want to do next and whatever. Right. And some games don't have character sheets, you know. Uh, but the ones that are big enough often do. And usually before you can online, often they'll let you download the character sheets without buying the game. And often I will download the character sheet and take a look at it before I even look at even purchasing the game. Because I'm like, if the character sheet's no good, generally I will just be like, okay, it's not worth it. Like, it's not worth it. You know, because it's it's so important to the games. So. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the way where it's literally how your players are going to understand the game. And if it's confusing, convoluted, or just not easy to figure out at first glance, no one's going to want to play. Yeah, or there's some, there are a few character sheets where I've looked at them and at first they're pretty dense. But once you get into them, they're so useful and so good that it's like worth getting past that. Like the cool thing about like the D and D character sheet is that it's super blank. It's like look at all the possibilities, um, and it's actually quite useful. Whereas like the Dungeon World character sheet is relatively speaking dense in comparison with D and D. But the funny thing is, if you have your character sheet and one other sheet of paper as a player, you need nothing else, and that is amazing in its own right like if you think about it from like a total rules you have to understand mode it's like way less but what's on the page might be a little more um i think the one i'm most conflicted about character sheet wise is blades in the dark and the game's based off of it um but that's not today's topic uh would you mind putting down character sheets as a whole damn topic (laughs) yeah i I can add it to the list i can go um (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I definitely have my own opinions on character sheets, and I've gone on many a quest to design better character sheets. So, yeah, next next week, everybody, character sheets. Thank you. <laughs> uh, but we have uh, real topics. <laughs> yes, we do, and uh, it's keeping with the book theme. You know, the nice paper feel, something that you know is environmentally sustainable, depending on which publisher you buy from. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, go to bookshop.org and support uh, local bookshops uh, by buying online from them. That's that's my that's my funny fun wreck. Um, but today we're talking about what books or book or books that we're working through at the moment, um, and also uh, what are, and also later in the episode we'll be talking about books that we've owned for far too long and haven't cracked open. So. Dane, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? I can go first on this one. Um, So I am currently reading uh, Uprooted by Naomi Novik. Uh, It's fantasy. Surprise, surprise. Uh, (laughs) But basically, it's kind of uh, a little more fairy tale. It has a very fairy tale feel to it rather than like a traditional kind of high fantasy. sort of thing where it's like you're not going to find elves uh but you will find like fae and like charming princes but things are a little turned on their head in a good way but also it's super classic 
in a good sense like it's a very traditional story told really really beautifully with some very interesting uh edges to it which i really really appreciate and it's my second time reading through it and i'm enjoying it just as much as the first time i will say something that's really interesting about it is are you familiar with the concepts of hard magic versus soft magic systems Ooh, no i'm not okay so uh, are you familiar with the author brandon sanderson they did yeah mistborn so he has this he has this rule for himself which is kind of helpful to think about which is uh an author can only solve problems with magic uh so much as well you can only solve problems with magic so long as your readers understand fully what the capabilities of magic are basically in order to keep it not from not feeling like complete magical bullshit uh you need to establish the rules of what magic can do can't do and at what cost first Mm. um so the harder your magic system goes uh the more like strict rules there are to it like in full metal alchemist it's like uh the law of equivalent exchange right in that in that series versus like in lord of the rings like is it clear what the fuck gandalf can do not really (laughs) um but think about how few problems gandalf solves Mm, oh right like yeah whoa right right so like and and there's different rules and ways of 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 going about it right um like there are like like kind of in the middle is something like avatar last airbender where it's like okay you can only bend one element uh, there's kind of like some things you can stretch with it, right? Like if you can control earth, you might be able to control lava and magma uh, because that's a part of earth, but you will never be able to control water, you know? Mm-hmm. And so like things like that. So in uprooted, it's actually a really soft magic system. Like there's some vague thing about like, if you do too much, you get tired versus um, uh, like, but there's, it's not super clear what magic can and can't do. But the main character often solves problems with magic. And I think, but the way the author does it is really beautiful is basically she, what she'll do is she'll introduce uh, like magic words that mean like earth or lightning or something, right? Like she'll introduce the magic uh-huh. word for a thing like three chapters early so that you know that you, the main character, she has that ability with magic and it's not actually so much that you're curious as to whether or not she'll solve it with magic so much as you are curious to see exactly how it gets applied so it's like the whole book is like a series of magical Chekhov's guns essentially (laughs) um like in chapter like 10 she learns like this really like old word for earth magic basically and it's like okay neat can't wait to see that go off um so it it it's less a question of how is she she like because the answer is she will get out of the situation with magic um but it's like okay but what which checkoff gun is going to go off here is the question Mm. and like what clever way to watch her use the thing um which i find really interesting and fun because it's because it lets magic stay really mysterious um you know because like in full metal alchemist for example like you, you know like 
it's not it it feels more like science and less like straight up magic in a way mm-hmm. uh so it doesn't feel as mysterious there's everybody can explain things and and stuff whereas like this it's she's just like you know i did like a hummy thing and i said some words and a thing happened you know like and it feels <laughs> very much like the little kid version of magic um and the other secret about it which i think is just really good writing is the fact that it's not actually a story about magic it's a story about uh like love and relationships uh, it's not like a romance but like the 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 idea of like because it's spoiler she doesn't solve the, the the actual problem can't be solved with force and magical force like the deep uh like plot like it needs to be solved by like being people you know right. so like the interesting thing is like it doesn't matter which magic system was in there or like or anything because that's not how the real problem is going to get solved anyways which i think is like one of the softest magic systems around is Harry Potter, right? Like magic can do anything and everything and solve every problem. Uh, but the Harry Potter books are mysteries. So uh, mm-hmm. there's, there's, there's no magic spell that lets them just solve the mystery. Right. So, yeah. Good point. So, yeah. yeah. I am. I'm really in love with this book. I'm happy to be reading it again. And that was my very long pitch. Go read this book. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I think we talked about it a while ago, um, but I didn't really know too much about it. Now I'm, it's piqued at my interest, and it has my attention. Worth your time. So my book is the same book that I've been working through for the last two, three months. I'm a pretty slow reader, but I'm rereading Karate Do, My Way of Life by Gichin Funakoshi, who famously is the inventor slash aggregator of Japanese martial arts in the 20th and 21st century. Um, It's sort of his life through like things he's reflected on and written. Um, It starts with him talking about how he, um, because he was born during the Meiji Restoration and he had to lie on his, on a, on, he had the change, he had the break in to where all the birth certificates are held and change the year he was born so he would be young enough to apply for medical school because at a certain point they said anyone born before this year can't apply for medical school because that was pre-restoration. Whoa. Um, so he had to like break and do that and then only to realize that he wasn't going to be, he had to cut his top knot and his parents and family would not allow him to do that. So he returned home to Okinawa where he took a job as a teacher, which ultimately they asked him once again to cut his top knot. And he was basically like, it, it, it basically he decided, yeah, I'll, I guess I'll do that. Cause it's, it's like, I'm not going to be a doctor. If I'm not a teacher, what am I going to do? Right. And so he t- cut his top knot much to the dislike uh, of his family. Wow. But yeah. But when he was a teacher, and in his younger days, he, because karate was outlawed, actually. Um, hmm. And it basically details how he learned in secret at night from his sensei. And then over the years, eventually became someone that everybody knew did karate. And then he would teach them. So it's both like a memoir and like a book of his own personal philosophy. Yeah. Which gotcha. is, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting in the sense that it's, his life reflected on with philosophies he's learned from other people and himself. Mm. Yeah. So that's my book. Um, 
shall we take a, a little break and then uh, laugh about books we haven't opened up yet? Yes. Out past the faintest star you can see rests the Runa system, the last remnant of human civilization in the stars. Decent. Okay, I mean, it gets us where we need to go. Yeah. Well, it has the signature <laughs> groaning. So once you punch out of the gate, it's like... Rrr. Yeah. Study abroad. Something like, study abroad, like, solo backpacking <laughs> trip around Europe, you know, like, as you do after you're kind of... Get to a certain point. Welcome to Diceology, an actual play podcast dedicated to telling you stories in an anthology format. We're here for the role-playing and the rolling. Welcome to Diceology. And we're back. Uh, So, like we alluded to literally probably less than a minute ago, was that we're going to talk about books we've owned for far too long and haven't cracked open. Uh. Do you want to go first, Dan, or shall I go first? I have a big old stack, so I'm going to go first, and I'm going to try and go fast. All right. <laughs> okay. First thing uh, is I have The Lay of Atoru and Iteron uh, by J.R.R. Tolkien, which I got quite some time ago, right when it came out. It is a real-world myth. Uh, On top of, you know, writing The Lord of the Rings and that whole universe, Tolkien was, of course, like a linguist and all that stuff. So he translated a bunch of, like, uh, old English myths and stuff and and put them into, like, prose and poetry. Mm -hmm. And so it's one of those, one of those, like, last few things that Christopher Tolkien, like, dug out of his father's work, right? Mm -hmm. And so I really want to read it. And it's on my to-do list, but I, I the first time I cracked it open, I only got through a few pages because I was so stuck in college. Uh, believe it or not, being in college tanked my reading time, so uh, <laughs> could not get didn't have time to get through it to like really dig into like difficult epic poetry at the time. So there's that. Yeah. Uh, uprooted doesn't have a sequel but the next piece by uh naomi novik is called spinning silver it's been sitting on the shelf i really it's it's next and then this might sound really silly but i literally ah i dropped some books um (laughs) i went to the boulder bookstore yesterday because i needed to pick up some like research materials for a new uh piece i'm writing and I got them yesterday, and it already feels like I haven't dug into them enough. Uh, I got uh, Heroes by um, by Stephen Fry, or edited by Stephen Fry, uh, an encyclopedia of classical mythology, and uh, Heroines of Olympus, uh, the Women of Greek Mythology, uh, edited by Ellie Mackin and Roberts. And so they're really just... They're, they're not textbooks, but they are, they're like, they're research tomes all about uh, Greek and Roman mythology, basically. Definitely leaning more Greek than Roman, but, uh, so for the project I'm working on, I really need to be like steeped in that stuff and I really need mm-hmm. to start digging in on it. So like even having them only for like a day, like, cause I don't usually do, uh, I try and keep my weekends, my weekends. Like if I feel like if I fill too much of that stuff with work, then when am I resting? Even if I like the work I did on the weekends, I suddenly get really tired. So, 
anyways, I, I've put it off, and today was just a little too busy to get into them. So uh, it already, even ha- having owned them for 24 hours, it feels like I haven't cracked them open enough yet. <laughs> I gotcha. Yeah. I but gotcha. that's, that is, that is the like six books I need to be reading right now that I am not. <laughs> well, yeah, that, you know, I, I've narrowed down my, my reading pile primarily because when I moved to LA, I didn't take, I donated pretty much all the books I own. There's four books that I need to read through. Um, they're kind of, the first three are kind of boring. The last one's the fun one. Uh, well, hopefully the fun one, but the first three are Dialogue by Robert McKee and then something like an autobiography by Akira Kurosawa and then Rebel Without a Crew by Robert Rodriguez. Uh, they're all film books. I've been really wanting to read Kurosawa's autobiography for some time now and Rebel Without a Crew is like an essential indie film read mm. and Dialogue was given to me in college and I am maybe a quarter of the way through it. Um, oh, I dropped my books too. Hey, um, it's what has to happen. Yeah. So those are like my three filmy books because I consume a lot of media about media and making media. Um, like earlier this, um, like about six months ago, I started reading Haruki Murakami mm. and I've blown through a bunch of his books. Um, and I actually need to get another one of his books because I finished all of the ones I own by him. Uh, and uh, I need to catch up because uh, he's one of my favorite modern authors that i've really liked but the final book uh on my list of things to read eventually is uh dune oh damn yeah yeah yes do that do that yeah i've when i moved to la after donating majority of my books i was going through my old room and i noticed my brother had a copy of dune and I was like, hey, man, can I can I borrow this? And he was like, sure, just just give it back to me. And so I've had it sitting on my shelf for the two, three years that I've been out here in L.A. And I have not cracked it open. It now is... that the movie's been delayed, I have plenty <laughs> of time to read it. I will say this. Dune is a that is an undertaking, like clear your calendar. Uh, but it's good. It's really, really good. I haven't read it since I was 13 or 14. Good to know. Good to know. Yeah. Okay. So I have a thing though. Oh, this is mm-hmm. these like. Have you ever read a book and just had like a violent, like you get to some part of it and you're just like, I'm done. I hate this. I don't want it anymore. And just stop. Or are you the sort of person? Oh, no, I have another follow up question, but like, we'll get to that in a second. But first, have you ever had like a rage quit moment on a book? All the time. Oh, okay, cool. All right. I had a rage quit moment hard, like hard this year. Uh, For Christmas, my roommate, Allie, she got me this book. uh, And I'm not even going to give the title because that is how mad I'm about this book. And I was going along through it. And I was thinking this, this might literally be my new favorite book. It was amazing. I adored it. Everything about it was awesome. I loved it so much. And then halfway through, I hit a part. And in a span of three pages, it goes from my very good time to like rape and torture porn, like horrifying. No warning. It just goes. And I was just like, I'm done. I'm out. Like, like it took such a dark turn so fast that I was just like, I'm over it. Like I've never, I've never rage quit on a book that hard. 
learning to like not finish a book if I'm not enjoying it or if I'm not getting anything out of it is a new thing for me. Is it a new mm. thing? Is that something you've always done or is that something? So this is my second question. Do you always finish? Are you that sort of person where you always finish a book or were you like, nope, if I don't like it, I'm out. I don't know if I've ever like not liked it, but there have been parts of books where I'm like, eh, I'm not exactly inclined to keep going. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think that happens to me a lot across media books, TV, film. And I, I used to feel really bad about it. Yeah. <laughs> but lately I've just kind of realized that, you know, taste change your opinions of media change. And sometimes and if you don't like it, there's, there's, you know, you don't have to justify finishing it. It's like staying true to your taste in a way. Also, it's such an investment. Like yeah. a book is an ask, right? Like mm-hmm. a book is an ask of many hours of your time, you know, dump the book. If you're not, if you and the book are in a toxic relationship, dump that book. There are better books out there. There really are. There are so many books. You're never going to yeah. read them all. It's not worth your time to waste on, on one that's just not doing it for you. And like there's like and that's like it's like a difficult line to walk because like sometimes i'll read something that's very difficult and there's a part of me that's like this is hard i don't want to be doing this but i'm getting a lot out of it and that i usually try and push through but you know yeah yeah. it's important to respect your time and respect that like not everything has to be for you and so you know why waste your time finishing a book and hating it rather than just being like, eh, not for me and putting it aside, you know? Um, yeah. You yeah. Know. I, I think that's, that's, you know, it's part of a balancing act of figuring out, you know, what you want to be in, you know, to spend your time enjoying. And it's like, there's that great rule that they teach you in elementary school. That's like really difficult to follow when you're like 10 years old trying to read a book, but they're always like, read the first chapter before checking it out from the library Mm-hmm. and you know if you finish the first chapter and you still like it then check it out and if you finish the first chapter and you're not exactly into it then don't check it out and that's actually a pretty good rule honestly yeah it's it's pretty it's helpful for thinking whether or not you're gonna like enjoy you you'll en- probably enjoy the pros and you'll probably get something out of it but apparently uh you know your 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 book could turn into a nightmare halfway through so like you know, be warned. I don't like twists is I guess what I'm getting at. I don't usually mm. like a twist. Um, not if it's a twist that's just like meant to like catch you in the stomach, if that makes sense. Right. Like like a story motivated twist rather than, well, I guess not as even a story motivated twist, like a twist that makes you feel something versus a twist that shocks you. Right. Like, is it a twist what's your goal with with your twist are you trying to like elicit a a violent response from me because i'm not like like that's not what i'm here for or are you just like trying to change the story in a dramatic fashion so Mm -hmm. yeah yeah. and yeah i mean i think recognizing when you're turned off by a book and you know you're trying to finish it versus just not enjoying it and being angry at it, I think is important because like, I really love Haruki Murakami, but there was one book I was reading of his where there was a twist like that about three fourths of the way through. And I was like, what just happened? I am uncomfortable reading the rest of this book, but I might as well finish it because it's, I'm still, like you said, getting a lot out of it versus 
I got through the first chapter of Game of Thrones and I was like, this isn't for me. I had the exact same reaction to reading Game of Thrones, no less. I like I was like, you might have a really good story in here. And the TV show tells me that you probably do. But I'll go out. I This might this might get me. Shot, so just bear with me. I don't think George R. R. Martin's a good writer. I don't. Maybe a good storyteller. Definitely a great world builder. Not that great a writer. You know? You know, all those things are very good distinctions because I think you could say that about a lot of famous artists out there. Because, mm -hmm. and, I, and I think that that's, you know, like, it's a good thing to know. And I think it's a good thing to note. And, and I mean, that's not a bad thing. Like George yeah. Lucas, another George, a wonderful world builder, even with the first three, a good storyteller, bad writer horrible writer <laughs> don't don't let that man near a script <laughs> man we got off and i'm pleased yeah this was a this was a good time mm -hmm. um a good time but we are out of time um at least for this recording we can definitely talk off mic after uh <laughs> but uh thanks everybody for listening in this week to the date and derek show uh, you can see what I'm movies. Uh, you can see what movies I'm watching on Letterboxd at Derek Aiello and conveniently at Derek Aiello everywhere else. Uh, Dane, where can we find you and your work? Okay, I'm going to pause you for like three seconds here. What yeah. is Letterboxd? I don't know. It's I don't it's know. A, it's not a hmm. thing I'm familiar with. Oh, Letterboxd. Uh, it's a movie review site. That's awesome. I I really wasn't aware. So yeah. yeah. So yeah, go to Letterboxd for all your logging films and reviewing films needs uh but dane where can we find you you can find me on twitter at dane underscore fogdahl and you can listen to my show diceology which is like the science of dice uh on itunes stitcher and spotify it's an actual play podcast we play D, &D. yeah yeah all right thanks for hanging out with us we'll see you next time catch you later